Hello and welcome to the Revival Radio Show and Podcast. Revival is a place where you can come to encounter and ponder truth. In this show, we are going to be exploring the rich abundance of truth that the Catholic Church has to offer in all her wisdom. My name is Tara Lauderdale, and every show I will be reading an excerpt from spiritual books, church councils, writings from the saints, and more, and then offering a brief commentary on what I've read. This is so we can have the opportunity to hear and contemplate truth, and then allow this truth to penetrate into our daily lives so that we can become imitators of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the show. my friends, and welcome to Revival. I am your host, Tara Lauderdale, and today is going to be lots of fun because I am coining the term heavenly ouchies. I don't know if that's going to stick with me. I don't know if it's going to stick with you, but I'm pretty confident today our Heavenly Father is going to inflict upon us some ouchies, and some ouchies in a good way. And you're like, Tara, why are you saying this immediately the first 10 seconds of your show? Well, it's because... Friends, a couple weeks ago, I went to Seek Live in St. Louis, and I prepared, I think, three radio shows maybe, got my content, I wrote it all down, I prayed with it in the chapel with the Blessed Sacrament, and then earlier this week, I was sitting at home and I was praying, and something happened. God was like, hey, I want you to talk about something different than what you have prepared for your next show. So whenever he does that, you know, I kind of, I have to say, okay, sure, whatever you want me to do, I will obey. So today we are, I, I actually don't know what I'm going to say and what I'm going to talk about. All I know is that God wants me to speak about Luke 15 and the prodigal son. And it's great because we're going to be pulling from, I would say, probably my top five. It's from my top five list. Why can't I say this correctly? It is a top five book of mine. It's called Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen. And I read it for the first time when I was a missionary at MIT. I think it was my second year on staff. It was given to me by a friend. And the book completely changed everything. I mean, it changed my whole perspective on God. It changed my whole perspective on what it means to be his beloved. It changed my perspective on whenever I read this parable from Luke 15. And then because it transformed my spiritual life, I brought it to all of my MIT students and God is so good and it changed their lives. And we even did a book study on it. So it's so fun that I get to come back to this book. I have not read it since my second year as a missionary. So it's been a few years. And as I was opening it up and I was getting all of my um, equipment set up and everything, I just, I thought, oh boy, today's going to hurt and it's going to hurt in a good way. And so I hope you all are excited to, we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit does. And it's the best. The best things happen when we give him the most room. And so today I'm going to give him a lot of room to do and say whatever he needs to, hopefully through me. May God be praised. Okay, so 
to get us started today, we're going to open with a short prayer. I'm going to reread the prodigal son from Luke 15, and I'm actually thinking this is going to be a three-part series. This is hilarious because I had no plans to do this whatsoever, but I'm pretty confident I need to. So today I am going to read the whole parable, but I'm only going to talk about the younger son. The next time I'll read the parable again, we'll talk about the older son. And then for the third part of this series, I will read it again and talk about the father. Like I said, friends, no idea what I'm doing, where we're headed, but I think it's going to be awesome. And if it doesn't annihilate you, it will for sure annihilate me because I'm pretty sure God wants to tell me some things and I might hear it through myself today, which is so exciting. So thanks for being with me on my spiritual journey. Glad that you're glad that you're here. Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, come Lord Jesus. Lord God, you are welcome here. We trust that you see us and know us and love us, that you dwell with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to be with us on earth, for taking on our humanity, for dying and rising for us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to love you more this day and all days, and most especially to love you in our neighbor. Please send forth your Holy Spirit anew right now into our hearts and into our minds so that we might be attentive to whatever it is you desire to share with us. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we're going to jump in today by reading this parable. So this comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through, what does that say? My script is so small, like the script in my scripture. (laughs) 11 through 32. Okay, so we're going to read that and it's going to be awesome. So if you ever want to come back to this, it's Luke 15 verses 11 through 32. All right, so this is the parable of the prodigal son. And he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. 
Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Lo, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, he has devoured your living with harlots. You killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Well, I love this parable. And it's been really interesting because I've had the privilege of leading a couple of Bible studies that go over this. This parable is the last chapter of one of the really popular Bible studies that I lead as a focus missionary. And it's always interesting getting to hear cradle Catholics and their perspective on this parable. We There are so many little nuggets in here that we miss that are so good and nothing that I say today is going to be anything new. I'm just going to be repeating what much of the church has already said about this parable and I'm also like I said going to be reading from this amazing book Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen and I'm just going to turn to some of the sentences that I had underlined the very first time I'd read this book, and I'm going to share them with you. And like I said, the reason that I turned to this book is because, in all honesty, earlier this week, I, oh, well, actually, I guess it was almost a week ago now, I was in my room, and I was praying, and I had this moment where I realized that I was actually a lot further from Jesus than I thought I was. So I was going to Mass still, I was going to daily Mass, I was still praying, but I, I hadn't realized that my heart had grown cold towards Jesus, that I wasn't loving him as he deserved to be loved, and I hadn't been paying attention to all of the little sins that were getting in the way of my relationship with him. And as I was praying in my room, I just, I had a deeper conversion, and it just involved this deeper turning of my heart back towards Jesus, and just him and his mercy saying, hey, you haven't been with me and I want you to come home and so that's why we're talking about this today because I am feeling pretty convicted about the conversions that we need to continue to have as Christians it's not this one and done thing it's this ongoing turning and turning and turning always turning back to the Lord and always re-following him because we can think we're following him but actually not be at all so Henry Nouwen begins his chapter. This is chapter two from his book, The Younger Son Leaves. And one of the first sentences I have underlined is this. Only when I have the courage to explore in depth what it means to leave home can I come to a true understanding of the return. So I'll, I will repeat that because I think that's going to help us set the stage for this episode. Only when I have the courage to explore in depth what it means to leave home can I come to a true understanding of the return. And so what Nowen is saying is we're not going to understand what a big deal it is to go back to the father's house if we don't even know what it means to leave the father's house to begin with. And maybe some of you haven't even heard that term to leave the father's house. What is the father's house? Who's the father? 
What does that entail leaving? So we're going to talk about that today, hopefully. And we are really, like I said, going to see where this conversation goes. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So this is what Nowen says about what it means to leave home. And, and so what we're talking about is leaving the father's house. We're talking about what it means to leave relationship with God. Um, what it means to not be with him in his house. So this is how Henry Nowen describes it. He says, Leaving home is much more than a historical event bound to time and place. So leaving home is more than a historical event bound to time and place. He says, It is a denial of the spiritual reality that I belong to God with every part of my being, that God holds me safe in an eternal embrace, that I am indeed carved in the palms of God's hand and hidden in their shadows. Leaving home means ignoring the truth that God has fashioned me in secret, molded me in the depths of the earth, and knitted me together in my mother's womb. Leaving home is living as though I do not yet have a home and must look far and wide to find one. And the reason he describes it that way is because that's exactly what the younger son does. The younger son denies his identity as a son, denies his relationship with his father. And what does he do? He leaves the safety, the warmth, the place where he can abide. Truly, he leaves it and he goes far seeking something else that is not the father's love and now says to understand what it means to be in the father's house he says home is the center of my being where i can hear the voice that says you are my beloved on you my favor rests the same voice that gave life to the first adam and spoke to jesus the second adam the same voice that speaks to all the children of god and sets them free to live in the midst of a dark world while remaining in the light. So in other words, being in the Father's house means when we are living in relationship with God and we know and we dwell in the spiritual reality that we belong to God. Friends, if you are baptized, God has claimed you for himself. I was actually praying with that really strongly just yesterday. Just the the reality that as soon as we are baptized... In the name of the Blessed Trinity, we are marked forever as gods. We are claimed and chosen as gods, and that cannot ever be taken away from us. And so for us to be sons who leave the home, it means we're now denying the truth that we belong to God, that he holds us, that he cares for us. And we're leaving the place where God speaks those words to us, the same words he spoke over to Jesus at his baptism. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Those are the words that the father speaks to us in his house always. But when we leave his house, we no longer hear those words. And now one is going to talk about the consequence of what, it, what happens when we can't hear those words anymore and when we have denied the reality that we belong to God. And so he says that, when we live in our identity as the beloved, when we understand and we hear God speaking these words to us, you are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. This is what now and says we have the power to do. This is, this is what we can do as the beloved. He says, as the beloved, I can confront, console, admonish, and encourage without fear of rejection or need for affirmation. As the beloved, I can suffer persecution without desire for revenge 
and receive praise without using it as a proof of my goodness. As the beloved I can be tortured and killed without ever having to doubt that the love that is given to me is stronger than death. As the beloved I am free to live and give life, free also to die while giving life. So wow, who does this sound like? This sounds like Jesus. This is what it means to be and to identify with the Son. The Son, Jesus Christ, the ultimate proof of his sonship was the fact that he could die upon the cross knowing that the Father gazed upon him and that the love of the Father was not removed from him. The love of the Father was stronger than that death. And because of that, he rose. And so I think we have to understand that when we are baptized and we take on the identity of the Son, when we, when the Father now sees his beloved Son when he looks upon us through the graces of our baptism, we have the power to be like Jesus, to be transformed into him, to be able to be tortured and killed without ever having to doubt that we are loved. This is the power of what it is to be the son, to be the beloved. And now and goes even further and he says, faith is the radical trust that home has always been there and will always be there. Faith is the trust that home has always been there and always will be there. So when we have faith, we are believing that the Father's house will always be there and that we will always have a place there. And that God is never going to say, oh, yep, sorry, we're out of room. No place for you. He's like, no, come home. I've prepared a place for you. I've prepared a place for you. And this is the issue, though. Now and says, Yet over and over again, I have left home. I have fled the hands of blessing and run off to faraway places searching for love. Somehow I have become deaf to the voice that calls me the beloved. So now one talks about, as I mentioned before, the consequence of what happens when we cannot hear the Father's voice anymore, when we become deaf to that voice that says, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. And this is what happens. We begin to hear the other voices, voices that are much louder than the Father's, and they're full of promises, but they're also full of lies. And these voices say, go out and prove that you are something. This is what now it says. He says, these voices say to us, go out and prove that you are something. These same voices suggest that I am not going to be loved without my having earned it through determined efforts and hard work. They want me to prove to myself and others that I am worth being loved, and they keep pushing me to do everything possible to gain acceptance. They deny loudly that love is a totally free gift. I leave home every time I lose faith in the voice that calls me the beloved and follow the voices that offer a great variety of ways to win the love I so much desire. So friends, this is what happens. This is what happens when we leave the Father's house and we can't hear the Father anymore saying to us, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. We leave the Father's house and then the Father's house becomes so quiet. We can't hear it anymore. And then suddenly, instead of the Father's voice, we hear a number of other voices telling us lies. Lies that say you have to earn love. You need to work for it. Show me that you are worth loving. 
Show me that you deserve to be accepted. And so then we begin to think that love is something we have to work for. It's not something that's freely given. And we can't hear the voice who freely gives that love to us. And so now and continues and he says, without realizing it, I find myself brooding about someone else's success, my own loneliness, and the way the world abuses me. Despite my conscious intentions, I often catch myself daydreaming about becoming rich, powerful, and very famous. All of these mental games reveal to me the fragility of my faith, that I am the beloved one on whom God's favor rests. I am so afraid of being disliked, blamed, put aside, passed over, ignored, persecuted, and killed, that I am constantly developing strategies to defend myself and thereby assure myself of the love I think I need and deserve. And in so doing, I move far away from my father's home and choose to dwell in a distant country. You know what's so funny, everybody? <laughs> Unfortunately, in my book, I've written in pencil. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I literally have the words, that's me. <laughs> oh gosh, this hurts. <laughs> Ouch, yep, there it is, the heavenly ouchies. So when we leave the Father's house, what is now when say happens? We are afraid. We become so fearful. We become afraid of being disliked, blamed, put aside, passed over, ignored, persecuted, and killed, we become terrified because we're no longer freely receiving the love that the Father offers in his house because we've left his house and we've gone away to a distant country trying to think, I have to go out here to find this love that I'm seeking and searching for, but because I'm seeking and searching for it not from the Father, I'm afraid and I'm fearful and I'm afraid of failing, of not being successful, of being forgotten, of being ignored, of not being chosen. I'm afraid to give myself away. I'm afraid to die for another. I'm afraid to love as I'm meant to. That's what it means to leave the Father's house. I move, and in so doing, I move far away from my Father's home and choose to dwell in a distant country. So then the question is, this is the question I'm going to leave you with before we head to the break. Now one says, so here's, here's the issue. Here's the question. To whom do I belong? To God or to the world? To whom do I belong? To God or to the world? Yikes. And then he says, Many of my daily preoccupations suggest that I belong more to the world than to God. So friends, I'm going to leave you with that. And just for, just for a little bit. And I, I want you to ask yourself, okay, so have I left the Father's house? Am I dwelling in the Father's house? Do I believe and trust in the reality that I belong to God wholly and completely? And that he will never abandon me? That the Father's house is always there for me to dwell in? Or right now, does my life reveal that I am living in fear and that I am chained and shackled to the opinions of other people, that I am seeking love, that I'm working for it, that I'm trying to earn it from others? And is this showing that I belong to the world and not to God? How far outside of the Father's house am I? 
So friends, it's a joy to be on this journey with you. Stay tuned. We're going to just be back really quickly. You're listening to Revival with Tara Lauderdale. Hello, friends. This is Tara Lauderdale, and you are listening to Revival. And today we are having a really wonderful and pretty kind of hard discussion on Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. And we are pulling from Henry Nouwen's famous book, Return of the Prodigal Son. And we are having a discussion all about what it means to live in the father's house and what it means to leave the father's house. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to repeat just the first part of Luke 15, just the first several verses, just to re-help us enter into this story of the prodigal son that Jesus tells, this this extraordinarily powerful parable. So we're going to read this again. This is from Luke 15, beginning at verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So I'm going to leave that there. We're not going to read the whole parable. But that brings us back into our conversation about what Henry Nouwen is saying about what it means to leave the father's house. And so what Henry Nouwen is explaining is that when we are living and dwelling in the father's house, we can hear him say to us in the depths of our hearts, You are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. That is what we hear resounding in the Father's house. We're hearing it. It's like on repeat, on repeat, over and over and over again. That's what the Father says to us. And he says that to us beginning at our baptism when he claims us for himself and we become children. And so now at our baptism, when the Father looks upon us, he also, he sees his son, Jesus. So we become, we enter into the place of the son. And when we live and dwell in the Father's house, we live and dwell in our identities We have the power to live and to die for the Father and not be afraid that we're going to lose love. We can do anything and not be afraid of of this love being taken away from us. And we see that most prominently in the life of Jesus as the Son. What does he do? He is persecuted. He is killed. But all the while, he knows that he is the beloved, that he is the Father's. Because he knows who looks at him and who gazes upon him and who chooses him, He has the power to offer himself up for love of the Father 
and for love of us. And so that means that when we're actually living into our sonship, when we're living into our identities as children and we're dwelling in the Father's house, we actually should be looking more and more like Jesus. We should be taking on more and more properties of the Son. We should be not afraid to die for another, to die to ourselves, ultimately, first and foremost, as we give up the life of sin. But it also means that we can begin to lay down our lives for our neighbor, just as Jesus does for us. And so living and dwelling in the Father's house has this immense power of transformation, of resurrection, of belonging. We, we are seen and known, chosen in the Father's house. But unfortunately, we're reading the story of the prodigal son, and this is all about a son who leaves. He leaves the father's house. He, he insults the father, and he asks for the inheritance because he doesn't care about his relationship with the father. He, would, he wishes his father was as good as dead. I'd much rather have the money. I'd much rather have the property than be in relationship with you. That's what he says to the father. The son slaps the father in the face, pretty much. And what does the father do? He's like, fine, here, you can have it. Take it. Here's your share of the inheritance. And what does the son do? He leaves. He steps outside of the father's house where the father was saying to him, you are mine. And as the son goes further and further away from the house, the father's voice becomes less clear and less loud and less obvious to his heart. He can't, he can't remember the sound of his father's voice anymore. But as he goes further and further into the country and further and further away from the father's house, he begins to hear new voices. And these voices, as now and said, they're promising, they're seductive, but they're lies. And they're lies that say, you need to earn your love. You need to prove that you are worth something. You need to work for it. You need to become shackled, enslaved to what other people think about you and what you can do for other people. Love is not a free gift. Nope, not here, not out here, not away from the Father's house, no way. Love is something you got to work for it. You got to be successful. You got to be wealthy. You got to be powerful. You have to be influential. And then maybe people will love you. Maybe then you'll be good enough. And so to leave the Father's house means we're no longer receiving the free gift of love from the Father. But now we know that we're made for this love, but we've left the real love and we've gone after the fake stuff. We've gone after the synthetic love that isn't real. It's not going to actually change our hearts or penetrate our hearts it's, it's going to be false it's going to be fleeting and this is what love the world gives to us and so we had left off after before our break with now and asking this question to whom do i belong to god or to the world and he reveals that we can have an indication of if we're living in the father's house or not by by the movements of our hearts and and most especially he didn't actually say this i could just I inferred it from his writing, but it's, it's fear. A big indication that we are not living in the Father's house is when we are living and dwelling in fear. And he lists off this fear of being disliked, of being blamed, of being passed over, ignored, all these things. And he's saying that when we're outside the Father's house, we're afraid because, because something is wrong. Something's wrong. We're, we desire love. We desire to be seen and known. But gosh, outside, out here in this far country, man, it's not so great out here. I'm, I feel like I'm laboring all the time and I'm working for things. And I'm never at rest. And I'm always afraid of, of losing something or losing someone or being in want. Oh, and isn't that what scripture says about the younger son? It says, 
he began to be in want. When he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want, which is so interesting. I bet the younger son had never had that experience before. I bet this was entirely new for him. He had been receiving everything that he could possibly need within the father's house, and now he's far, far away from the father. He's alone. He's probably afraid. He's hungry. He's tired. And he's so, so low that he's even jealous of what the pigs are eating. That's how far he has wandered from the father's house. He squandered what he had been given by the father. And now he is far, far away from him. And so the sentence from this section that I'm reading from Nowen's book, it's a sentence that stuck with me for forever. And what's interesting is as I was praying about conversion about a week or so ago, which is what inspired me to do this show today, it was the sentence that came up that I remembered and I knew I was going to have to share it with you all and we were going to have to talk about it. So this is what Nowen says, because, and this I think is a very common thing that I hear, especially whenever I'm leading Bible studies over Luke 15, the prodigal son, um, because we have this tendency to think that if we don't do something extreme, then we can't relate to the prodigal son. Uh, well, I never have never asked for my parents' inheritance. I've never gone into a far country and squandered it on prostitutes and loose living, as they say, <laughs> as scripture says. So I can't really relate to him because I haven't fallen that far away from God. Okay, yeah, maybe I did some things in college or whatever. But we have this tendency to not relate to the prodigal son because we think that leaving the father's house involves something as obviously detrimental as what the younger son chooses in this parable. But actually, Nowen points out that we leave the father's house a lot more frequently than we think we do, and it actually does not require this big external change and move and fall. Actually, Nowen says, I am the prodigal son. Every time I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. I am the prodigal son. Every time I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. So Nowen is taking our understanding of this parable and he's turning it on its head. Because he's now saying, no, 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 you don't become the prodigal son when you ask for your parents' inheritance and you squander it and you end up hanging out with pigs. He's like, no, no, no. Actually, it's worse than that (laughs) because it's more frequent than you think. We are the prodigal son every time we search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. And I think this is what really struck me as I was praying last week about the concept of conversion and conversion basically would be then okay so if I'm the prodigal son every time I search for unconditional love where it can't be found a conversion happens every time we recognize that the only place we can find unconditional love is within the father's house and so we were going one direction searching for that love but then we oh like a light bulb and like the younger son within this parable we go oh I can't find it out here what I'm looking for I can't find it I think I'm going the wrong direction And we pivot and we change directions and we head back towards the father's house. That's a conversion, friends. And that should happen. Well, okay. So we don't ever want to leave. We don't ever want to search for unconditional love where it can't be found. But it happens all the time. It's a product of the fall. It's a product of just living in the world and thinking that we can find love in the world apart from God. Yikes. We do that all the time. I mean, let's think about it. Let's just, I want to invite you just for a moment. Just think. 
where do you seek your happiness? Where do you seek your identity? Where do you look for the love that your heart so desires and is made for? We have a tendency as human beings to turn to the things that are right in front of us. So, well, what are things that we tend to do every day and pay attention to every day? Well, probably our jobs. So we have a tendency to want to find our identity in how successful we are in our jobs. Have we been promoted? How much money are we making? Are we well liked by our coworkers, by our bosses? Okay. Maybe some of you are wives or husbands, mothers or fathers. How often do you put your identity in how well your spouse is choosing you and loving you and paying attention to you? How much do you put your identity in if your kids are doing good in school, if they're behaving, if they're doing good in sports, if they're loving you, if they're showing affection towards you? How often are you putting your identity in your friendships? Are your friends loving you as much as you would like them to? Are you being invited to different events, different parties, hangouts? Do you have things to do on the weekends? Are you putting your identity in a significant other? Do you think more about them than you do about God? Do you seek to please people around you more than God? Yeah, I know, friends, those heavenly ouchies. And this is good. We we need to get, we need to be wounded. We're being wounded by love right now. We're being wounded by the Holy Spirit who's saying, hey, there's more for you. That's all God is ever saying to us. He's never shaming us. He's just saying, hey, hey, I want to give you more of myself. I want to show you what love you're actually made for. But I can't give it to you if you're running off and trying to find it in all these other places. You're not going to be happy doing that. You're going to be restless. You're going to always be seeking yourself and your own satisfaction and contentment, which is the exact opposite of what our Lord does. Our Lord pours himself out. And as baptized children, we are called to that same outpouring of life and love. But we can't do it if we're not dwelling in our Father's house and receiving his love first. So I hear this like quotation all the time. Uh, you can't give what you don't have. I don't know how I feel about it. It's very cliched, but it's fine. But I, but, but let's expand on that a little bit more. Let's take that a, a step further. Let's actually really root it in reality. Yeah, you can't give what you don't have. Okay, well, what do we need to give away? What are we called to receive? The love of the Father. I cannot love my spouse, my children, my family, my friends. I cannot see my job properly. If I do not hear the Father's voice saying to me, you are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. If we cannot hear the voice of the Father, our lives are out of whack. I'm serious, friends. And we might not think so. We might not think so because we're so deeply embedded in a secular culture that is more and more rejecting God every single day. We are becoming less attuned to the voice of the Father and we're beginning to think that God is an accessory, not the center of our lives, not the one on whom our identity rests. We think he's an accessory. And when God becomes an accessory, we become slaves, no longer children. We become slaves. We become slaves to our environments. We become slaves to relationships. We become slaves to money and to power and to pleasure. We are no longer free to love and be loved. 
that is what it is to be the prodigal son. And I hope, I hope, but I don't hope that this resonates with you because I think we have such a misunderstood concept of the younger son when we read scripture. But truly, we are him every time we look for love where it cannot be found. When we look for someone to tell us our identity that is not the father. And so now it goes on to say, why do I keep ignoring the place of true love and persist in looking for it elsewhere? Why do I keep leaving home where I am called a child of God, the beloved of my father? I'm constantly surprised at how I keep taking the gifts God has given me, my health, my intellectual and emotional gifts, and keep using them to impress people, receive affirmation and praise and compete for rewards instead of developing them for the glory of God. Yes, I often carry them off to a distant country and put them in the service of an exploiting world that does not know their true value. It's almost as if I want to prove to myself and to my world that I do not need God's love, that I can make a life on my own, that I want to be fully independent. Beneath it all is the great rebellion, the radical no to the Father's love, the unspoken curse, I wish you were dead. The prodigal son's no reflects Adam's original rebellion, his rejection of the God in whose love we are created and by whose love we are sustained. It is the rebellion that places me outside the garden, out of reach of the tree of life. It is the rebellion that makes me dissipate myself in a distant country. Heavenly ouchies, my friends. That is what it is when we realize that we're the younger son. (laughs) It hurts. (laughs) And I'll I'll admit this, last week when I was praying it, it hurt me deeply when I realized that I had left the father's house. I didn't know it. I did not know it until I sat down and heard Jesus say, hey, come back to me. So that's my other invitation to you all is if something is stirring in your heart, don't ignore it. I know you want to. I know you want to turn to your phone. I know you want to turn on something to distract you from that pit in your stomach or that tightening in your chest don't run from it it is the holy spirit calling you home that's all it is don't be afraid if that and this is the beautiful thing when we realize that we are the younger son leaving the father's house we don't have to be afraid it just means oh shoot i went the wrong direction i'm not gonna find what i'm looking for out here i better go home there's nothing to be afraid of and again this is beautiful this is the beautiful thing this is what now says he says It seems to me now that these hands have always been stretched out, even when there were no shoulders upon which to rest them. God has never pulled back his arms, never withheld his blessing, never stopped considering his son, the beloved one. Oof, ouch. Okay, I have to read this next part. It's not even underlined, but I think I need to read it. But the father couldn't compel his son to stay home. He couldn't force his love on the beloved. He had to let him go in freedom even though he knew the pain it would cause both his son and himself. It was love itself that prevented him from keeping his son home at all cost. It was love itself that allowed him to let his own son find his life, even with the risk of losing it. Mm. Here the mystery of my life is unveiled. I am loved so much that I am left free to leave home. The blessing is there from the beginning. I have left it, And keep on leaving it. But the Father is always looking for me with outstretched arms to receive me back 
and whisper again in my ear, You are my beloved. On you my favor rests. So friends, that's this tells us even more of the, the Father's love for us. The fact that we can even leave the Father's house is proof of the Father's love. He loves us so much that he cannot force himself upon us. He, he has to let us go when we choose to go. He didn't want his son to leave. He doesn't want us to leave. But he's not going to chain us inside his house. He's going to say, okay, you can go if that's what you want. I can't prevent you. I love your freedom too much. And if this is what you choose, I will allow it. I will allow you to find your own life, even if you're at the risk of losing it. We are loved so much that we're free to leave home. But the thing is, the the blessing, as Father, as Henry Nouwen says, the blessing is there from the beginning. It's in the house with the Father, but we leave it over and over and over again. But like in the parable, the parable says that the Father had compassion upon his son and he embraces him. The Father's always looking for us. He's always looking. And I can say that I experienced that just in this last week. I sat down to pray and and it was revealed to me that I had left the house. And the Father was waiting for me to come back, waiting to put a robe on me, put a ring on my finger, shoes on my feet, all that good stuff, and welcome me back into my home where I belong with him and where I can hear him say over and over again, you are mine. I claim you and you are mine. So friends, I invite you to sit with the things that you've heard today. Take them to prayer. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid if you've left the Father's house. The Father will not shame you. He will not be angry. He will just say, come home. I want to take care of you. I want to tell you how much I love you. I want to tell you how I choose you. How when I thought of you and creating you, I was so excited. And here you are and I love you. We need to let ourselves hear that from him. If we can't hear that from him, if we're relying upon those voices that are far out in the distant country that we might still be listening to, we have to turn away from those voices and turn back to the house where we can hear the Father speaking to us in the depths of our hearts. You all have been listening to Revival with Tara Lauderdale. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was a lot of fun. I can easily say that time really flew with this episode, and that's probably because I had no notes in front of me, just this book, just the Bible, and the Holy Spirit. So go team. We love God. He's the best. And we're going to close with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, we love you. And we thank you so much for calling us home, for calling us to be yours. Thank you for naming us, claiming us, choosing us. Help us, Father, to not be afraid if we've left your house, to not be afraid that you are going to reject us or abandon us, but that you are just waiting with outstretched arms to receive us back. Please help us, Father, to be attentive to your voice and to to turn and to face you again and to come back to you. Help us to be aware of the places in our lives where we are looking for that unconditional love where it can't be found. Help us to see when and where and how we become the prodigal son. Help us, Father, to choose you as you choose us. Thank you so much for the gift of our freedom and help us, Lord, to be free, to love and to be loved. We offer all to you, Lord. We praise your name. We offer you all the glory. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, our King, our Savior, our Redeemer. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining me today, everybody. This has been a blast. I look forward to next time. I think it's going to be just as fun because it just gets better and better from here. Enjoy your week, and I will talk to you all soon. Thank you.